Don't say phase one, that's not nice. <laughs> There's no phase two, right? Oh, are you fucking kidding me? Are you kidding me? His head fell off? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? <laughs> I thought you were kidding. I can't believe it. What? Do I need that? I got it. Well, hello everyone. Welcome to Struggle Session. I'm Leslie the Third. I'm Jack Allison. And today, um, we're just catching up. I haven't, yeah. you know... I haven't spoken know. to Leslie in a little while. I mean, you went to New York. This has been, like, this has probably been the longest period I haven't, like, spoken to you, but, uh, you know, since we've done this podcast, probably. Yeah, we had a few in the tank. Um, hope you enjoyed those episodes. That episode we did uh, with Mitch Bowman for Aquaman, mm -hmm. and the one we did with Michael Saba about uh, Russiagate. We recorded those, like, two weeks ago. So. Yeah. <laughs> We uh, just had need a little time because I was going to New York primarily um, for to uh, to hang out uh, and be on stage with the Street Fight guys. Yeah, uh, how was that? It was awesome. It was awesome. Like the show sold out. Like three hundred people. Wow. Like just packing the place. It was so cool. It was so cool. Everyone there was really chill, really down. Knew us. They all were. Um, like big, uh, I met a lot of people who were in the struggle session. Told me they really like struggle session. That was very, oh, very cool, a, a very appreciated. Thank you so much. It was so nice to meet you all. Um, but it was a fun show. We just uh, got on stage and talked a bunch of um shit about all the um people running. Um, and of course, Katie Halper who uh joined me with Street Fight for the first half, and then the second half it was uh the Chapo guys and Amber. Um, in the second half, it was a fun show. Everybody seemed to really enjoy it. I, um, wow. Yeah. It's just at, um, it seemed like, you know, a really like interesting new kind of thing and type of show. Like I've never seen a live podcast show. Like we were, um, we've been thinking about like, how you do live podcasts and mm -hmm. what they are and what they mean. And I was looking at like the what the WTF Mark Harmon, uh, Mark Maron's podcast. And he just sits at a table and does his podcast. Yeah. I think it, it's like, you know, uh, you know, you know, not the shit talk or anything like that, but what is, what is fun about going out to see that? What is fun <laughs> about going to see that? Well, the street fight guys, they took it at the next level. They, we all stood the entire time. Wow. Like, no, they were said no chairs. Yeah, I had to do that when I did their live show. I was a little bit like, uh, I was a little bit taken aback by that. Even I was like, I thought. Also, by the way, for our show, somehow it, it ended up happening that Brian took his uh, shoes and socks off, and so Brett did as well. <laughs> and so then people also asked me to take my shoes and socks off. So I was standing. I stood uh, for the socks, whole time. Jack, were what? you wearing? Were you wearing socks? I was wearing socks. I was not. Were you wearing? Were you I wearing was wearing shoes on that day. This is I. I went okay. out to be you know the guest on a street fight show. So of course I put on big boy shoes and big boy socks. <laughs> um, uh, but I will say that you know standing the whole time is one thing. You know another thing is like my feet got very cold. So that's my that's my <laughs> review of the of the of the uh, street fight show that I did. Yeah, but um, it was very fun. Um, 
great audience. Got to meet ton, as I said, I got to meet tons of people. Um, and I got to make a special announcement, which I'll make here. Yeah. Is that in that same venue in Littlefeld in mm-hmm. Brooklyn, Jack Allison, Leslie wow. the third and Katie Halper will be doing a live show together. Yes. It's struggle mm-hmm. session X the Katie Halper show. Yeah. Live in New York. Just on a little May, under a month from now. Yeah, May 10th. May mm-hmm. 10th. Um, tickets should be up by the time you hear this episode. You'll get them at, I always, what is it? Is it Littlefield? Littlefield, Littlefields, I think. Littlefields. Right? I don't know. <laughs> Littlefields, Brooklyn. Yeah, Littlefields, Brooklyn. It's uh, LittlefieldNYC.com, no, no, no. right? It's uh, Littlefield. No S, no S. Littlefield. So it's that little field, just like little a small field. field. Like if you uh, saw a very small, tiny little field, that's what it would be. But it's a very great venue. The people have so far have been um, very kind and nice to us. It's, it, it's a really neat place. They have food. They got uh, oh, nice. got all kinds of stuff. Yeah, they got alcohol. They got food. All they the have a, that you, a place for it to likes. stand. Yeah. Um, it's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah. But we will be doing a live show there and we already have announced, uh, our guests. We have, um, Jamie Peck, uh, from the Majority Report, the Antifada. We'll have, uh, Jake Flores from Mr. Pod Damn mm-hmm. America there and Matt Taibbi. Yes. Mr. Vampire Squid himself. Yes. Uh, from Rolling Stone magazine. You, yeah. you know who it is. We're going to have know, him. You know who it is. Yeah. Now this is going to, it's going to be a great show. I'm really, really excited for it. This is, uh, this is only going to be our second show ever and our first show, uh, on the East Coast. So, you know, and it might be the only one for a while. You know what I mean? Cause Leslie, I'll tell you what. I'm not going to do, I'm not going to keep doing these live shows unless you can get me like, a hotel or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not gonna, I can't be just fucking going out there and staying on the floor and shit. Uh, I'm just joking, everyone. I don't deserve any better on the floor. Oh, that's a deep cut. That's a deep cut. Um, but yeah, um, so please come out. We would lo- yeah. lo- love to see you. Uh, we got to sell some tickets. Uh, this yeah. is a nice venue. We got to sell a certain number of tickets, but yeah. I think we'll get there easily. Um, you, We will make sure we're already planning yeah, what, do we what we're going to talk like, about. 1,200 people or something like that? Like, what, 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 what do we have to clear here <laughs> not not quite okay. but i think uh, no, i think we'll be fine we'll be fine yeah we got a strong uh base out there on the east coast from what i've seen this weekend yeah lots of good folks lots of good it's going to be ten dollars too it's not very expensive oh show. yeah only ten dollars only ten dollars like literally like just to come to the struggle session show instead of seeing a movie or like getting chipotle or something <laughs> like <laughs> Oh man. Um but I had a good time in New York. Uh, aside from like I I know I'm promoting a live show and I'm about to shit talk New York, but like New York's a great city, right? Yeah. It's one one of the best cities in the world. New Yorkers, some of the best people in the world, but like I I just didn't understand the thing that I saw time and time again. It's like I assume most New Yorkers like have they have phones. Mm-hmm. They have offices. They have places they can go. Why do you always? Why do New Yorkers always argue on the street? Are they? Are, are there, is there a lot of arguments going on? In yes, New, York? New Yorkers are always yelling at each other and arguing, like just in, in the middle of the place. Like there were actually some dancers who do. You know the subway dancers that sure. come on, do their announcements and stuff. And like before the stop, before the train had stopped. Like after they had already gotten their tips and everything, they were like having a big blow up argument with each other in front of the audience that they just wow. had. 
Like that's just New York style, I guess. You I just guess wear that's your New heart. York. That's New York. Then I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like, uh, I'm going up to the East Coast for a wedding. That's why, that's why we're even able to do this show in the first place. Because I'm not buying. I can't like buy plane tickets and shit. You know what? I, let's be clear here. Like, uh, we're not going to make a lot of money on this show. Um, <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, you know, I, I haven't been in a little while, so uh, I'll keep an eye out. You know, the thing I used to be most excited about going to New York for is no longer a big deal anymore. Which is, I used to like to go to New York because they have Shake Shack. But now we have it here in L.A., so who gives a shit? Shake Shack is garbage, Jack. What? It's garbage. I, it's just garbage. I don't think Shake Shack is garbage. It's garbage. You took me to Shake Shack in L.A. I was very excited for it. Like, of the bo- garbage. That's, it, uh, that's a ridiculous thing to no, say. No, no, no. Of the bougie, overpriced burger mm. chains, like, it's so much worse than BurgerFi, like, in every way. What's BurgerFi? BurgerFi is, like, the same thing. It just tastes a little better. The burgers are a little bigger. It's just exp- still expensive as shit, like, I have no fast idea what a burger fi is anyway <laughs> so I, I can't even respond to this allegation shake shack is like it's not even as good as like five guys i think five guys is <laughs> i, I have shake to shack. disagree there but five guys is pretty good but but i i think i i think that they do you know the bun is a little bit better at shake shack and i and i do think the quality of the beef is better uh uh you know it's not the big they have burger. shake in their name and you have more shake selection and variety at um five guys who needs variety I mean, well, oh, who needs variety uh, yeah what we need is curation oh, leslie we need curation for, for good good uh uh milkshakes oh, anyway geez. i don't you know it used to be that was the thing i'm like now what am i excited for is like what papaya king or some shit actually what i really do like about new york is that they sell hot dogs on the street. <laughs> I like that <laughs> just about any time. And I do it too much. I'm like in New York, you know, uh, uh, the idea of just having like a, uh, uh, a sort of like snack hot dog is so much more attainable than it is, uh, out here in LA. <laughs> if you want a hot dog like anywhere else in the country, it's like you're going to the grocery you store. Like go to you a can, restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to a restaurant. You're going to a hot dog restaurant or you're going to the grocery store and firing up the grill. In New York, I mean, like you can get, hot dogs the way you can get like gum and shit you know what i mean i'm just like like if i'm like a little bit peckish i'd be like oh i can like um put down an entire hot dog i guess is what i could do really quickly while i'm still walking and nobody even like has to know you know what i mean like i could be going to dinner and just sneak a little secret hot dog like right before i walk in the door nobody even needs to know about that Oh man! Oh. It's just—it's on the way. It's on the way. It's nice. On the way. All right. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to uh, the hot dogs. <laughs> you know, you know what else um, New York has besides hot dog stands on every corner? Podcasters. Yeah, there are po- lots of podcasters everywhere, and I met all of them. Did you um, feel right at home among all the? Did they all have their blue Yeti mics? Is that how you tell a podcaster? <laughs> yeah, like you know how in like mov- uh, movies where you know somebody is a DJ because he has headphones around right. his neck like constantly. Yeah, yeah um, podcasters yes. have a blue Yeti with a with a USB cable around their neck <laughs> hanging hanging from a USB cable. Uh, that's how you tell a podcaster. <laughs> you, you know, you always have to keep it with you because you never know when you're gonna just have the podcast you know what i mean it can happen anytime you always gotta have your bo- your working books with you you know <laughs> always gotta be ready to cast yeah, yeah. and you might see something that inspires a take and have to cast right from that <laughs> very spot uh but it, there there was a picture going around after the live show because we went to a little party afterwards which uh 
turned out to be um, a birthday party for our our sweet boy from Come Town, Adam. Oh, um, how nice! And I got to he meet. He was him. very unfair to Chelsea Clinton, though. Yeah, he's he's still living under uh, secrecy from the fatwa that the Clinton family <laughs> sure, yeah. um, placed on him. But yeah, I did got you to see meet- any. Did you see any of the? Any of the Clinton killers there? Did you did you see anybody that might have been a plainclothes Clinton killer? Well, it, it, it's possible. It was at undisclosed location, so we kept yeah. them safe. But um, yeah. yeah, I got the. You have him. to do is you, you yell <laughs> Vince Foster really loudly and see if anybody's <laughs> eyes go wide. Um, but but got to meet Adam. Got to meet everybody from Nazi Father. Got to meet um, Dasha from Red Scare. Got to meet all these n- nice people. All these podcasters that wow. all in the same place at wow. the same time. Which did it, any it, podcaster beefs break out? I mean, did you see? Did you see? Like, uh, did fists start getting thrown? Unfortunately, not. Unfortunately, wow. um, it's nothing but Twitter fingers out yeah. there in the podcasting streets yeah. of uh, Brooklyn. Thankfully, wow. thankfully, it's good. It's good. Keep your beefs online. They're yeah. funnier there for yeah. everyone to enjoy. Yeah. Um, but it, but it, it, it does kind of fun. It was kind of funny to me because, you know, people online will be like, oh, all podcasters know know each other. And Jamie uh, Peck had a good tweet um, where she was like, yes, we all live in a versal loft together. We all like we all sleep in one big bed, like from uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory <laughs> together. And it's like, it's not it, I guess in Brooklyn for certain people it is. But like, yeah. I don't live in Brooklyn. <laughs> I live right. in Virginia. I don't know any of these people. Really? I'm like 10 years older than them. I'm married. So it's not really the same thing for me, which is why I enjoyed the party so much because I could just sit in the like the old man chair in the corner. Like I never knew that when I was going to all those raves, how much fun like the older people who would come and just sit in the corner and smile were having. I need to settle in. I need to start bringing a book to parties is what I think. I need to just start openly bringing a book when I go to parties. Jack, it's so good. It's so good. It's the best thing because you don't have you don't have to worry about mean people. People will come to you. You don't have God. the social anxiety. You're Is not there a trying- way to make it so they don't come up to you? Even? Oh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. <laughs> I enjoyed it as a, but you could if you had like no, sunglasses I'm just on. I don't need to too. put up a sign. <laughs> but it, it was so much more fun, like being able to go to a party as like someone who's kind of past the age of everybody else. Yeah. There's no social anxiety, no worrying how you, who you have wow. to meet, who you have to impress. You just sit there and chill. And it's, it's cool. It's cool. Getting older, it's okay, folks. Yeah. Getting older is okay. Except I'll tell you what, Leslie. I like drank for like I like drank at a wedding and I drank when Connor Golden came and stayed with me and I'm like I can't like drink. I feel like I'm oh. like now it makes me like too tired. Like <laughs> I got like I was like bedridden for like 3 days because <laughs> I like drank. I like I, I think it's only for your 20s is what I'm starting to feel like. I'm like I think that maybe you I don't know, I was talking about this with a friend yesterday. It's like you maybe just can't at least for me, at least for me it's like I it's like not I'm not even like I'm not even like a bad drunk or have problems with drinking. I'm just like I like uh can't do it physically. <laughs> it's too hard. It's literally I'm maybe not in good enough shape to drink beer. <laughs> oh, what else is going on? Oh, right. New York well, the big reason that everyone's there, including Street Fight, was of course WrestleMania was happening. Oh, yeah. Not in New York, actually. It was happening in East Rutherford, New Jersey, which uh, is way they have the like fuck. Uh, looser labor laws there or something. <laughs> I, I guess uh, pro- pro- probably um, and less uh, 
the the venue costs a lot less money uh, yeah. to get. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's where they're having WrestleMania. Now they have, like the cool thing is like they will have like all the indie wrestling shows, not just indie, but like pretty big shows too, including Ring of Honor, New Japan Pro Wrestling from Japan, Stardom mm-hmm. USA, which I got to go to, Shimmer. They all came in um, to New York and had shows and all those shows were like, 10 times more fun than the actual uh wwe show and um i didn't really get uh watch it except for like one match with brock lesnar where like brock lesnar is such you know you know brock lesnar is jack i'm gonna look him up i feel like i I definitely do know the name well he's uh, but He's I, like, I, it'd be hard for me to pick out uh, wrestlers from a, a lineup. I think you would pick out Brock Lesnar okay, because he's like 6'5", yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and he has yeah. a big like sword-looking oh, penis, yeah. or penis-looking sword, rather, <laughs> on his chest. And he's just, has he been in movies and shit? I'm sure he has. No, he actually huh. hasn't. He's one of the ones who like never like got did like huh. even he never even did like the early Batista thing where they just needed a big guy for a movie and they would put him right. in. He, he never really did that for some reason. I do like the big guy wrestlers just in movies when they're just <laughs> like extremely large and nonverbal. But, but Batista actually turned that into like actual career, but there are actually a, a ton of like Bob Sapp and like you see all the, he was in, I think Electra. Like there's tons of like just big guy wrestlers. Uh, Tyler uh, Maine, the guy who played the first Sabretooth in X-Men, he was just like a big guy wrestler who did like a nonverbal uh, role in the film? Like that, we need to have more films of that, or we need to do Expendables with just all those guys, like just no talking, <laughs> just a bunch of massive guys non-verbal grunting, Expendables, That's grunting funny. at each other. <laughs> but something, a little bit, something took the shine off WrestleMania um, this weekend, um, and that's you know from our good friend. You know, we we love his work on this show, of course, of course. and yeah. that's John Oliver. Um, I mean, I was I was shocked, Leslie. I mean, people people uh, sent me. They were like, "Look at this clip!" Like Leslie posted. Like, don't worry that it's from like John Oliver or <laughs> yeah. whatever. I was like, "Wow, Leslie is given like the John Oliver endorsement here." So what did he do? Did he did he did he say uh, that Vince McMahon should be called Vince McMonth or something <laughs> like that? Like, let's call him Vince McMuff. It's he has to have like wrestling fans on the writing staff because he's yeah. he's not good enough to come up with a takedown that's actually like, <laughs> this good. But I watched the piece actually. It was it was uh, very good. Yeah, some people were complaining they left. Um, he left some stuff out. And towards the end, he does do that goofy thing where he says, all you have to do to fix the problem is, like, do a chat at the show. Yeah, like, yell, yell, and Vince will be like, all righty, we'll give him health care. Yeah, but uh, before <laughs> he Oliver's it, he does yeah. a pretty good, you know, exp- explanation of why mm-hmm. we is just such a awful Horrendous. company and why like vince mcmahon in particular is just like a kind of a monster kind of a monster yeah. um we talked about it on the show before but he plays clip from clips from a, a, a podcast that cm punk did um right. with his uh f- then friend Cole cabana where he talked about like all the terrible things that happened with him and his health in WWE and because a lot of fans were kind of shocked when he uh, left the company, you know, in his prime basically. And it was because like he felt that he was going to die if he uh, didn't because the doctors didn't care about him. They didn't properly treat his concussions. They didn't tro- properly treat his infection. They would just keep giving him the Z, pa- these uh, Z packs, the Z packs. Yeah. Yeah. Which uh, causes, caused him to defecate himself on live uh, television. Yeah. Um, yeah. And 
what Oliver didn't mention is that he, uh, Sting and Punk was sued by, um, the doctor for the WWE with, of course, the WWE's help for millions of dollars. Oh my God. I for doing a podcast. They tried to, even after he left, wow. they tried to destroy what about his, his life. rights. Yeah. Poster, poster right, and in the sad human part, right. posters <laughs> rights are human rights. <laughs> posters <laughs> rights are human rights, and, <laughs> and the sad part is, like a lot of WWE fans, like really weren't on his side because they were still wrapped up in the idea that CM Punk had left him. CM Punk quit, and because mm. you know, because the Vincent, fake, the fake, like. Uh, like TV show story narrative, yeah, or, or yeah, kind of like the fake TV show story narrative mixed with this, you know, weird feeling of loyalty that wrestling yeah, fans have. I feel to like WWE. I feel like a, like like you fandoms have this weird thing, like Star, like there's the there's the like sort of Marvel fandom that has this too, where they like are they want. Like I, I also see I've seen this in like DC with people saying that like the Siegel and Schuster family are like shitty or something like yeah. that, and I'm like, you know, uh, uh, you don't have to like defend like the company that makes no. this stuff. <laughs> no, absolutely not. And so like a lot of people were kind of nasty towards him, but thankfully when John Oliver played this clip, I mostly saw like positive react and knowing yeah. reactions from fans. Like, yeah, it's fucked up. And like fans have known about this for decades about the lack of health care, the calling them independent contractors, even though they yeah. have to work for them like 250 days a year. That's and bullshit they did for me at Funny or Die too, but I also was not like giving myself concussions every day. Yeah, yeah. It it's and there's some really like hard stuff in it. like the clip of Vince McMahon. I have forgotten about this. The clip yeah. on the real sports where he's being asked um if he has feels any responsibility for the wrestler deaths and he's just like and he starts like mocking, laughing, and then slaps the does like a mocking like, voice and then slaps the he's like a wrestling character. Does he realize he's like you can break kayfabe? Oh I I know, but see I see I think that's letting him off the hook because no, that was just right. him. That was right. just that's, him. That's him not breaking kayfabe. No. That is actually him. Like he could have done kayfabe and said, "Like, yeah, we do have a lot of concern for them." You know? Yeah, yeah. He that was him showing right. his his real opinion and his real feeling on the matter because he's gotten away with it for so long and nobody ever right. pushed, nowhere ever can push him back. Like he has not. He's surrounded by like yes men by necessity because he is not only in. Conf- total control of the company he's in total control of the industry like right. so few and you saw what happened the one guy who told him fuck all cm punk he sued him for millions of dollars right. like like that's what happens you can get blacklisted you can get sued you can if you don't go along with vince and it's kind of, it was kind of refreshing to see even some independent wrestlers who you know probably won't who had at some point wanted to work for WE were sharing Oliver's video too, because for the most part, it was so good. They tr- like some people tried to push back on it because at one point he, um, he called, he says something bad about like Roman Reigns. Um, he says his hair is always wetting. It's like pedophile hair. I think that's like a joke. Yeah, it was a joke, but they tried to. Pretty sure be, that one's a joke. Yes, because Roman Reigns. Uh, so the funny thing is, he he posts a clip of the fans booing and cursing him out for eight minutes, which happened is what the fans did to him. But since then, it, he came out with that he is leukemia came back, and so now fans are nice to him now. Like that's yeah. what that's the only thing that's changed. And he and because Oliver didn't. 
mention it. They try to like hold on to that to show, ah, we've got you. This, this whole thing about how like all the wrestlers are being treated like shit and are unhealthy. No, actually, um, that guy has cancer too. We're so. nice to him now. <laughs> yeah. He has cancer and he's also not getting coverage for that. Yes. Too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, checkmate. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, WWE. So just, what happened at, at, at WrestleMania though? Is it all everything was good there or what? Yeah. I don't th- they didn't have any fans chanting. I, 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 I didn't really watch, uh, anything about the show except for the Brock Lesnar match, which bummed me out so much. I didn't watch the rest of it because basically Brock Lesnar has been their champion for se- past several years now. Mm-hmm. He, um, he, he started like in the aughts in the 2000s in wrestling for WWE. He came from a legit, a gentleman amateur wrestling background was a, mm-hmm. like a national champion. And he always kind of like hated wrestling kind of like professional wrestling. Like he didn't really like enjoy doing a Cause he was a top tier athlete. Um, right. Unfortunately, in a sport that doesn't pay any money, so he had to become a professional wrestler. And, you know, he was never really happy with that. So at one point, he quit WWE, tried out for the Minnesota Vikings, made the practice squad, which still is a pretty big achievement. But, like, when you're 20, you can't start the NFL at, like, 25. Like, that just it just doesn't work. Um, It's impossible. So he ended up... um, coming back to wrestling a bit and then going to UFC where he actually, you know, had a decent run there. He was never the best fighter. He didn't have much of a chin, um, but he was big and strong and can out wrestle anyone. So he was able to be champion for a, a little bit. And then after he lost the title, took a couple losses, he came back to WWE and Vince, after seeing like this, having this guy getting knocked out on UFC was like, okay, we got to make him 10 times more powerful than every wrestler we have on our roster because that's how thirsty Vince is for like big guys. Like even though like he got his clock clean several times, he still presented him as like the biggest, most badass person to ever live. Now the thing about Brock is like he had fully like stopped kind of at that point, stopped giving a shit about like, actually putting on good matches and being a good wrestler from what uh. I gather. And so his WrestleMania match, he, it went on, he's a champion, but the match actually went on first on the show and was about, uh, 90 seconds officially long, maybe five minutes with all the bullshit before, but like, he just like, didn't give a shit. Like they didn't put any effort for, forth for it. And it was really disappointing and bummed me out. And I actually left. I was at the WrestleSplania watch party with, the Kath and Rachel and like it just bummed me out so much I actually left the party and went home. <laughs> wow. Because <laughs> it was That's just a statement anyway. Yeah. It was just so like because the thing we always say about pro wrestling is that the beauty of it is unlike a uh, real sport like the point is always to entertain the fans. So you're always going to get like a good back and forth game or something entertaining and like and, there's, and the wrestlers take a lot of pride in putting on the best matches and entertaining the fans and getting those great reactions and like Brock just clearly does not give a shit and like it kind of felt very alienating to me like very alien to me like this is not pro wrestling this is just like checking the box we have to have a tile change on the show go out give him the belt and that's weird yeah but um after I didn't watch the rest of it it was the first Wrestlemania that had women main event um if anybody knows anything about my wrestling fandom I am much more uh, I much prefer like uh women's wrestling Japanese women's wrestling but this 
and you would think maybe, you know, women main eventing, including one I've met and covered uh, over the years, that would be very exciting for me. Unfortunately, it wasn't because at this point, like W WrestleMania is just like another show now mm. because of the streaming service. You only pay $10 for it now to get wow. like all the pay-per-views. And so, like, having the WrestleMania main, uh, you know, having that match be the main event doesn't mean nearly as much as it, used, it used to, to when, you, when right. you had to pay $65 uh, to see it. So you think that WWE needs to make more money? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, strangely enough, like, when it, when it, you know, when there was a little bit more gatekeeping on it, when I, someone like me, I can only watch WrestleMania by like turn it. You don't even remember this, Jack. You can turn it to like pay-per-view channels on the old cable right. boxes and you can watch like the squiggly version. I remember that. I yeah. do remember that. Yeah. Like I, that's how I used to watch uh, WrestleMania. So of course, <laughs> like it, it, in my mind's eye, it was always so much cooler and more <laughs> and, uh, than it actually was. But, uh, unfortunately now you just like pay and they, they're constantly handing out free trials. Like every time you, they hand out a free trial for every email address you give them. So it's like, it's nothing to get a WrestleMania now, uh, sadly. Wow. Wow. Sorry, ladies. It doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, uh, so that's it for WWE, I guess. I mean, you know, but go watch that one. Only watch that episode of John Oliver. Go watch yeah. that one single episode of John Oliver, and then you know, uh, oh, skip the rest. Here, skip here's, the rest but here's something else that happened that I think you'll enjoy, Jack. As you know, someone who has been a critic of uh, showrunners, sure. and of course, Vincent Kennedy McMahon, he is oh, a, show, a showrunner. He is showrunner. a showrunner. Show, he's a showrunner. Showrunner. King showrunner. Yeah. So apparently, so one of the events WWE had this weekend was uh, was the Hall of Fame ceremony. Now, the WWE Hall of Fame is completely, like, fake and phony. They only let people in who are, like, fr who Vince is on good, like, good speaking terms with at the time and can <laughs> show up. It's not a real legitimate professional wrestling Hall of Fame, unfortunately. Even though a lot of fans like it and a lot of the wrestlers appreciate a chance to talk about their career there are some like some really cool really touching moments but i just want to be clear that That's this not is not legitimate hall of fame even though mm -hmm. a lot of cool stuff happens at it one terrible thing that happened somebody tried to tackle bret hart um, on the show like which is really fucked up because he's a guy who had to retire because if he took another bad bump he would have a, a stroke and die jesus so like trying and fans know this so trying to tackle bret hart is like so a fan tried to do that yeah it was like some random them fans try to tackle him is okay of all the don't people kill that him, everybody yeah don't kill him don't kill bret hart please um <laughs> goldberg already tried um yeah. so okay so someone got fired um during the show during the during the hall of fame ceremony by vince personally vince fired a writer because the wrestler whose speech he wrote mentioned vince now, what? So did the writer write Vince into it or what? It's not clear um, mm. yet. But the thing is, like, why wouldn't Vince want to be mentioned? And I, I was trying to figure this out because it doesn't make sense. Like, he's the owner of the company. Why yeah. why doesn't he want to be mentioned? I thought maybe he had said something bad or negative about him. But oh, really? He just mentioned him at all? Yeah, he just mentioned him at all. And it's Bizarre. because 
Vince, this is Vince's um, sociopathic way of being humble. He doesn't want to be mentioned at the Hall of Fame ceremony, even as thank you, because he wants it to be about the wrestlers. So he thinks he's showing <laughs> humility by, by firing his writer. Yeah, by firing his writer. <laughs> by firing a writer who probably did something at like the request of a wrestler yeah. or just because they thought it was like a normal thing to do at a fake ceremony. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, so yeah. at a real ceremony, you'd say like, thank you. And so this is like a fake pretend one so i mean aren't we supposed to pretend that this is a ceremony i don't know is he's just he's a very strange bizarre bizarre man who you know, the, the 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 structure of uh our our current you know modern day ceo structure where everything is just down to the whims of whoever like it run, is happening to run the company at that moment it just works really really well it just works really really well whether it's wrestling or any type of uh job it, it's good that you know, companies are just hundreds of people that live at the whim of of one person. Yes, uh, or or die actually at his whim. Die, too. correct. Yeah. Yeah. Vince McMahon is more live and die. Often, live and die. Often yeah. die. Often die. People yeah. dying at his whim. Yeah. All right. Uh, what's what? Yeah, Jack, you had anything going on past week? Shit. God. Uh I saw Shazam. I went and saw Shazam. I mean, that's like big. That's a big piece of news for me. I left the house and went and saw Shazam. How was? How was uh, it? I like Shazam, actually. I did like Shazam. You know, uh, uh, I I think that these Warner, I think that the Warner DC movies like have a feel that's a little more blockbustery than than the Marvels. Um, I guess as I was watching the movie, I kind of realized that I just like I like I'm going to call him Captain Marvel because that actually is his name. Captain Marvel. Yes. Uh, the character's named Captain Marvel. Uh, I like Captain Marvel. I guess I like the story of Captain Marvel and shit. Like as I was watching it, I was like, oh, yeah, like I, I, I like this like origin story. It's like cool to see it on screen. I'll tell you one thing, actually, too. Zachary Levi, um, who plays Captain Marvel when he's like in Captain Marvel mode. It's like not that like he's not. It's more about the kid, actually. I was worried when this movie was like announced that this was going to be like some kind of like annoying sort of like too too comedy ish like Deadpool kind of thing or something like that. I I think it's a pretty charming little movie that has like a nice uh, uh like it feels like a nice complete story that's like self contained. It doesn't feel like we're you know even though it is part of the larger DC universe and they like mention Superman and stuff like that and Aquaman, it doesn't feel like we're just like watching an episode of a TV show that is uh uh that you know you don't get the whole story from. Um, I don't know. I kind of felt like. It kind of feels like these Marvel movies, you like get punished if you miss any of them (laughs) versus like DC is just kind of like, you know, it's another fun adventure. Come on along for another fun adventure (laughs) if you so choose. I don't know. Like we watched Aquaman the other week uh, uh, for that Mitch uh, episode of Mitch Bowman. And uh, then I watched this and I'm like, you know, I was worried about DC following like Suicide Squad and Justice League because I thought those were kind of stinkers. And I'm not like the hugest Wonder Woman fan uh, either. Um, but these last couple outings, I'm like, man, DC are just making like big, fun, kind of like ridiculous, super, not even ridiculous in the, like, these are like Fast and the Furious movies or something like that. They like, they take themselves seriously enough, but they're like big, fun action movies. You know what I mean? Like with like cool set pieces in them. I I like the movie. I did. Did The Rock show up? He did not, but he's producer on the movie. Okay. So, you know, uh, uh, that will, I mean, he obviously is like locked down to play Black Adam or whatever. Um, I don't want to spoil anything for you unless you don't care. 
Oh no, we uh, we can. I'll probably see it. Uh, I, okay, yeah, don't do it. There's good shit in it. There is. I will say this: like you ask about if that character's uh, in it, I'm like, there are others. <laughs> there are other characters in it, and I that I think are kind of cool. Tawny I'm Tiger. Surprised that they went there. Tawny Tiger. Not, not yet, and not yet. But there's reference. There's <laughs> yeah. kind of like reference to Tawny Tiger. Oh. The post, like the the credit scene, I was like, damn, like they're doing it. Good God. <laughs> So, oh, there was another DC movie that people have talked about. I don't think we talked about it on the show yet. Um, and that is Mr. Joker. Yeah, okay. Um, what do you think about Joker? I am so stoked for this film. I am so excited for it because it looks like a movie. It looks like yeah. an actual movie. Yeah. Like it, the I mean, adult Warner makes movies. Warner ma- the DC movies are movies. I will say that. And like, like it, and like people are trying to like parse this and compartmentalize it in the comic book scenario. Like, no, I'm pretty sure that the, I, I don't give a shit about that stuff. Yeah, the only thing this has to do with DC comics at all is that like. I guess Todd Phillips needed to call it Joker in order to get the money to make it like that feels like that's the only connection. Yeah. For me, I'm like, uh, that's my sort of thought on it as I'm like, wow, like, would it be nice? It'd be nice if they could release any movie that wasn't from like a children's cartoon in like uh, from like the 1930s at this point. That would be nice at some point if there could be any movie, even though I did like Shazam. Um, So my thought on, on Joker is this. I'm like not. One of these people that's like, this is going to be the white men's anthem. Oh, well, let's talk. Let's talk about those people. Like, so there was a couple of woke takes on the trailers. Like, wow, you're trying, you're going to make us feel sympathetic for like a bad white man in 2019. Really? Seriously? Like, um, yeah, really seriously. (laughs) It's an interesting movie. And like, and it's like, it just looks like an interesting movie. I just honestly, I saw those takes and I'm just like, I'm so tired. I can't even like conceive of these. I'm like, who gives a fuck? Who gives a <laughs> shit? It's fucking superhero movies. Yeah, no, who cares? Right. Like Joe for well, there's a couple of things. First of all, Joker is going to kill less people in this movie than Captain America does in his movies. I can guarantee <laughs> that. I can guarantee he will have a lower body count than Iron Man does. Okay, so so if you're worried about standing for problematic white men, start with your booze over there. <laughs> I also think this. I'm like, you know, uh, uh, I think it's going to be less it's just i here's why i'm like not that into it actually is i just don't love todd phillips that much as a director and so what reads for me when i look at this is i'm like oh this is like todd phillips trying to do like a cool kind of like departed thing or something like that it like it gives me red flags that like scorsese was involved and left the project you know that happened right oh Uh, i didn't uh, know he left scorsese left the project like a year ago or something like that uh although he was originally announced to be on it so that's my big thing is like i don't actually give a shit about about, you know, if it's a, a white man destruction movie or whatever the fuck people seem to be upset about. I, I don't know. I don't know what that is. For me, I'm just like, I don't think Todd Phillips is that good. And I don't know. I, I you know, I don't know that it'll be good because of that. Yeah, he, he tried to make uh, the he did a Huey Long movie, which was like trying to be like a movie movie. Yeah. Like he's been trying to do like a serious I think War yeah. Dogs was probably and it's like in the serious realm, like a, or whatever, a stab yeah. at that. I, I don't know. I think every 
bad director probably has one good movie in them. I'm hoping yeah. that this is his uh, one good movie where everything just kind of comes together. And from the trailer, yeah. I'll say his one good movie is Frat House, in my mind. Uh, <laughs> uh, he did a documentary about frat houses, which is so funny. The Todd Phillips story is so funny because he's this like USC guy who made a really good documentary about frat houses called I think it's called Frat House. The uh, uh, a let me just try to actually make sure. I think it's called Frat House by Todd Phillips. And it's this like incisive like fucked up look at like frat houses and like the culture inside frat houses so what does hollywood do with that they then they make him into a bro comedian guy. <laughs> like they're like this guy made like a documentary that like exposes how completely fucked up and weird frat houses are let's give him a big budget comedy about how fun frat houses are <laughs> and then like just get him in that lane like forever Oh man! But one thing about the Discord that I did find like genuinely kind of disturbing is that so when you watch the Joker trailer, which I suggest everybody do, I think it's really well done and the music is works phenomenally with it. It's like you see, you know, the Joker guy getting the shit kicked out of him multiple times. He's depressed. He's sad. He's living with his mom. He does does seems kind of hopeless. And then he kind of yeah. dons the makeup and kind of has a mental breakdown and becomes yeah. a joker and everything like that. And what I kept seeing, uh, people, people try to, um, woke attack this is saying, Oh, look, we're celebrating mediocre white men now. We're celebrating mediocre white men now. I'm like, when did like downtrodden and I, sad and Isn't broken became like, mediocre? Like Matt. It's like Matt, uh, fuck, who, who was the guy on the Today Show before? Uh, Matt Lauer. Matt Lauer like, is like your mediocre white man. Yeah, or like, John Favreau, I, Favreau. John Favreau. Like, the people who have, like, massive amounts of success, def- despite the fact that they're, like, super bland because they're just kind of a charming white guy, that's what we're talking yes, about that, when we talk about mediocre white men. Yeah, exactly. That's what it was. It's about people who ha- achieve all these things without really any real talent because of white privilege. It's not about, like, people who are downtrodden and getting the shit kicked in fact, out like, that's, In fact, hearing about and like it's when you talk about people like that's what gives people like what makes people confused about the term white privilege even yeah because when you like think about downtrodden people you're like well what about white privilege then or whatever like you know uh, uh, of course there does still exist white privilege even in lower you know in in lower classes and everything like that but i was you know but uh, um I don't know. I do think that it's like it's a silly thing to just uh, uh, make it about how he's a, a white guy. Yeah. So, so mediocre used to refer to your level of talent and ability in spite of the success you have in our alleged right. meritocracy. Now it's being used by a bunch of um, successful um, white and some black people to mean like you are just not succeeding as much as they are. And that is what makes you mediocre. That makes you mediocre. Uh, be, yeah. basically- not, not, not I who have what I have and deserve it because of meritocracy, of course. Uh, those who don't have what I have uh, uh, are mediocre because they were never able to attain it. Disgusting. Whatever. Fuck that shit. The movie. I mean, like it's tough because I'm like, I do. I do think the movie maybe looks whack. I'm not maybe like as hot on it as you are, but I don't think it looks whack for the reasons that the, that everyone thinks it looks whack. Yes. <laughs> I just like am wary about a Todd Phillips movie that's a little over. I'm I'm like wary about Todd Phillips trying to do like trying to do a Fight Club. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, I like yeah. Fight Club. 
But Todd Phillips being like, this is going to be my fight club sounds like a nightmare to me. Yeah, yeah. I see. But I think most people were stoked about it. There was just like that discord where like certain like big accounts and like some of these were like film reviewers too. I'm like, yeah, like what? Like, oh, you're have you seen like a movie before? Like, I swear to God. I'm not I'm not one of these people that like wants to get too into like, you know, complaining about critics or clickbait or whatever. But I do think people fall into just like a familiar pattern and a repertoire. You know what I mean? And it's like like how when the Lion King trailer comes out, I'm like Disney sucks and fuck Disney or whatever. Like there are a lot of like sort of woke reviewers out there who are like, okay, like what's the take I've run before (laughs) on this kind of thing? Like let's run one of these again. You know what I mean? Like I do in my heart believe fuck Disney, but I'm also like I know that I'm kind of running one of the things in my personal, you know, repertoire or whatever hey i had no problem saying infinity war was okay i'm i'll judge each on his own merits yeah. i will i do have a problem with that. <laughs> i would never say that infinity war is not okay by any uh by any stretch but someone um some people did ask me so where we put you know joquan's um joker in the joker of war where does he rank and i say you know you shouldn't be asking that question that is, you know, something like we hear in struggle session. We believe that all jokers are valid and all, all jokers matter and all jokers are beautiful. Okay. Yeah. His joker is beautiful. Jared, yeah. Jared's joker is beautiful. Caesar's, yeah. you know, Mark Hamill's like everyone's yeah. joker is beautiful because it's a great character. I think. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, uh, it is a great character. I am just like. It's enough already. That's part of how I feel. Is I'm like, it's enough. This character. When was the Joker made? Like, I am. Uh, I'm sorry, Leslie. I'm going in the opposite end. Oh, of here, come but, on. Uh, but I, I. But I'm like, the Joker was made in like 1945 or something like that. Like, is there nothing? Like, can we get a new scary clown guy at some point? Well, here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. We have like the guy from Spawn. The guy from Spawn is oh, what I'm violator. Like, a new yeah. scary clown. <laughs> violator. He's all right. John Link was on and played the hell out of that part. But uh, the thing is, like, so the Joker has been like updated like over time. Like if, right. before, he was just like a scary clown. Then he was like, uh, I don't know which order was it, but like, there's three like metrics. Uh, of the Joker. There's like gangster Joker, sexual right. sadist, serial killer Joker, and like goofy <laughs> yeah. clown Joker. And each Joker is like on a spectrum between these three, on these three variables, right? Right. Like, um, and I think, you know, you keep messing with the formula, you get a bunch of interesting stuff there. Like, I agree with that. I do agree with that. It is, there's just a part of me though that's like, I still can't like help but witness that I'm like, man. It's all these companies that are just wielding like copyright law. Yeah. <laughs> and like we're forced to live with these characters and these characters only forever because these companies own them. And, and that's why I, I do kind of find like this film interesting because it's clearly like not trying to have any connection to a larger world. Like people are trying to figure out where's, you know, Batman in this. The, you see Arkham, Arkham Asylum is in No, it. you see Arkham Hospital, which not, uh, which okay, isn't right. even a fucking thing, right? <laughs> 
<laughs> like, 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 it's just trying. It's just like they wrote this. They came up with this idea for this movie, and they decided to yeah. paste Joker on it. Like he has an, his name is like Arthur. Like I will say, it's like this is the kind of shit you want to see. I mean, like I would like to see more of if we're going to just like keep reinterpreting these sort of corporate owned characters and everything like that. Like this is obviously so much better. Like I would rather. This is what I would have rather seen out of Star Wars. To be honest with yeah. you, it's just a bunch of different directors doing like completely batshit like weird star wars things like i would have loved to see like david lynch's star wars you know i i appreciate at least that warner's not being like 100 percent safe and just you know uh, uh again a lot of a lot of this is just motivated by how much i like hate disney who makes 40 percent of the movies now <laughs> and like all of their output entirely um so a lot of it is just me being like well at least it's not disney <laughs> <laughs> all right so what else we got to talk about there has been some more bad discourse about so, a game we talked about on the show we gave our sure, first oh, impression yeah. on it it's time to give our yeah s- this is our second impression of sicker we'll not- be doing many many of them but this is number do, two to be clear this is not set in stone we can I'm not doing a review update this at any point in time in the future just just want to be really clear i'm not doing that. a review now the review this is a second this is a living document like the constitution second impressions all right yeah. let's start first about where we're at in the game um i feel like i'm pretty far in if i'm not at yeah. i've gotten all the stuff that you have to get to unlock the uh second harder half of the game which you always do yeah. in these from games i don't want to give out the spoilers but i've gotten like the beads and like the frog and the uh, this is not what they actually are and like the diamond and i've i've gathered all those all materials shit. you got all the little the little shit the, all the all the stuff from around the world and i've just gathered those and now i have to fight someone because i told him to fuck off and um that's where i'm at and i'm, I'm pretty i feel like i'm pretty far in the game and i still I love it more. I actually like it more now because I, because it, wow. we were talked about on the last show, like it, it was very difficult for me to adjust from playing Dark Souls to this. Mm-hmm. Now I kind of get this. I kind of get the rhythm. I kind of get how you're, you're supposed to approach, um, not just the mobs, but the bosses. It's much more about like dying of, you shouldn't try to be the boss like the first time you play it. You should like kind of sit back and watch and try to memorize their patterns. And right. because once you get that down, like you can beat them without taking any damage if you execute properly. You just know their patterns, know what they're vulnerable against, know what items you should be using. I wasn't using items, um, ridiculously for like the first like 70 percent of the game because i was always hoarding them like you do in souls games usually you hoard all the items in case you might use it (laughs) need them at the end but now i've been kind of using them more willy-nilly and it's uh, helped my gameplay a lot so my second impression i uh um I'm nowhere near as far as Leslie is in the game. So I don't know what happened in the game, but um, somehow I got to the residence or whatever. What is it called? It's like the Haroni residence or something. Uh, um, The second level. Uh, Somehow the second level was like available for me. I realize now before I finished the first level. So I was like kind of trying to grind my way through this second level, the like estate or whatever. Uh, And I did finally get through. I finally got through and i killed the uh i killed um the you know what the hell is it i killed the like 
Shinobi Hunter there. Oh, yeah. I was able to do that after some after some difficulty and all that. After beating the Shinobi Hunter, I got to like the ogre or something, the next boss, and then I realized that I never beat the first level. I like went back to the first level because I was like going back to try to get like the seeds or something like that, and I was like, oh, like I never like got through this entire area or whatever. So now I've gone back to the first level. And I just beat uh, I beat a couple bosses there. I beat like a Shinobi Hunter general. I beat a general okay. there. And then I went and beat the like chained giant. Okay. I was able to like get past the chained giant. Um, and that uh, is the long and short of it, folks. That's, that's <laughs> as far as I've gotten at this point. I'm working my way at it. I actually do find it really, really satisfying. Um, it's really, really hard. It's like not, you know, necessarily something that I can like settle into and just relax with. But I agree with you, Leslie, that, you know, there is like there's a real satisfaction in like learning the patterns of these enemies and like coming up with a strategy for it and, you know, not getting any kind of helping hand with it. Like I am very, very slowly making my way through this game. And I'll be honest with you, Leslie, I am in some ways very much ashamed. Very much ashamed of my progress here, and I'll tell you why. There's one very specific reason. Okay. Uh, I think I know what it is. Over this last week, oh, oh, yes, I think you do. <laughs> over this last week, uh, one of the Pod Save America guys um, started doing some streaming on Twitch. John Love John it. Love it. John Love it's been streaming some Sekiro on Twitch, and uh, I've been joining his Twitch chat <laughs> just to ask. I mean, I am now banned, but I was asking him uh, if he thought it was a good idea to recommend to Elizabeth Warren that she take a DNA test, which he did do on the Pods of America podcast. He said that he was going to put the issue to rest, even, though, <laughs> even if it was giving in to Trump's bullying just for once, it would put the issue to rest if she took a DNA test. So I was just asking him in the chat, you know, if uh, he thinks it's a good idea that she took the DNA test that he recommended. He ended up banning me and saying that he didn't want to talk politics on the stream and that I wasn't being honest or whatever the fuck. <laughs> but he's farther than I am. John, John Lovett, I cannot deny, is further than I am in Sekiro. It made me feel like I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, I, I number one, I've not been devoting the time. It made me feel like, what does John love it? Yeah, I know, right? He's further in Sekiro. Like, is he like far in it? Like, <laughs> like he's like too far in Sekiro for a guy that like runs a media company. You know what I mean? I don't know. Like, uh, but it did make me feel like a lot of shame. It really did. And every time I'm playing Sekiro, there's like an additional level of humiliation <laughs> and like toughness to it that I'm like, John Lovett has gotten through this. John Lovett has gotten past this part that I can't fucking do. The like the the lead the the less the least member of Pod Save America. Oh no, that the other lowest guy lowest of the low. That, uh, you think? that other guy is way worse. Not the Which not, one, Pfeiffer? Yeah, he's way worse. He's way come on. All right. Come on. I mean, as far as like knowing anything yeah, no. and being <laughs> like Dan Pfeiffer was smart enough to grift everybody for uh, health care payments. He saw the flaw in the ACA and was like, mm, I can make a lot of money off this. <laughs> so, I mean, that's like that's like being thoughtful anyway. It's, you know, sharp guy. Uh, I don't know. So, I mean, look, I actually really am enjoying Sekiro, um, but I'll, I can also cop that, you know, it is difficult. I, I think I'm going to keep playing it, but just at my very slow clip yeah. of like just very slowly grinding through it. I, I I think it got me so frustrated on Monday that I spent the rest of the week solely reading books. <laughs> like I like got so stressed out from Sekiro <laughs> that I like read the entire second book of the Thrawn trilogy. Oh, like, cool. 
Which, by the way, is great. And I'm, you know, uh, I can't wait for number three to come. Oh, cool. All right. So, yeah, I, I can definitely see it. There was a point I got to where I was very frustrated with Sekiro, but I f- was finally able to just, like, play one. Like, I was at three mini bosses at the same time, and I couldn't beat any of them. Yeah. But I was finally able to, like, play well enough to take out one. And then I took right. out the other, and then I took out the other. And I was, like, high. I was, like, on gamers high, yeah. like, going through um for, like, a couple of hours in gameplay. I was just smashing everything. And then I met, like, a giant ape that just <laughs> destroyed me for a little bit. Is that the one that John Lovett is getting destroyed I, by? Yeah, the same one. This is- good Lord. So are you in the same spot as J- John well, Lovett? Well, I beat it. I beat it. I beat it. Okay, I good. Got, I got God. past it. <laughs> um, but I will say that there are moments, like, Sekiro's frust- frustrates me, like, to shit like i have rage quit the game but then also like accomplishing things in sekiro i have not in any other game in a long time like stood up from my chair and like I put know, my right? arms <laughs> in, the, in the air <laughs> yeah like and that's kind of what the game is about it's like you meet these challenges and it's like so you didn't get like faster right you didn't right. do exercises with your fingers to get them faster to beat these to get these accomplishments, you just got better at executing smarter about playing and played smartly long enough to beat these battles. And that's the from challenge, the from software guarantee. That's how it works. Uh, that's how, how the, all these games work. They're never really that hard. It's just about like knowing what to do from trial and error or looking up online, the best strategies and executing it, which I do that, executing it instead of going with the typical run forward and hit the attack button. Oh, like that you can do in every, you have to develop like a a fight strategy. Like you have to like time blocks and stuff like that. It feels like I'm actually defeating an, an, a a giant as opposed to, you know, Hitting the X button when the circle gets closest to being around the X button. Yeah, it's like you you have to decide. Well, am I going to block or am I going to deflect? Or am I going to focus on running behind them and hitting them? You have to figure out when they're vulnerable, what their main attacks are, and it's just it's really more about how you think yourself through these fights because there is fights where uh, difficult fights where I watched a video and because I knew what to do, I can execute it like perfectly. I can beat them like on the first go, right. and there's. But there's other fights that took me forever to do just because I wasn't, you know, properly strategizing, even if I was, you know, I'm, I'm the, still the same gamer, but just, you know, yeah. it's different. Um, it, you, the games are different and uh, the discourse around it has been awful, awful, absolutely atrocious. Yeah, you know, the uh, there's a lot of discourse around uh whether it should have an easy mode or something like that. We demand an easy mode from From Software. We demand that From Software go in and like uh do like additional programming and design, I guess, and like just I, I don't understand. Like I actually don't understand what the demand is here. Well, so the demand is that this game be less frustrating for game journalists because they see all these other people playing it and having a good time and they're mad about it because they couldn't finish <laughs> it in time for the deadline for their review. Uh, that may be unfair, but I think it's fair for some people. Um, but yeah, so this only, and it's so funny that this only comes up because there's so many games that are so much harder than from software games and Sekiro. Like Assassin, uh, playing it through a hundred hours of Assassin's Creed is much harder to finish than finishing Dark Souls, I would say. I, and you can look at stats to see actually, if you actually look at the statistics for like who finishes game and how often people finish games, from software games have a fairly high 
finish rate compared to a lot yeah. of other games, these interminable open world games that people like play, start, get like the first couple of trophies and then they quit because they're completely overwhelmed with the scope and the scale and they don't, don't know what to do. Um, and like the, and like people's tried to bring in like accessibility issues and disability issues into this, which is like, no, easy mode is not of necessarily accessibility I, 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 issues. I, I did see that set. I saw that set and I was like, I, I just don't like get it. I really well, don't I, like to me, actually, I, 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 I do think like the accessibility issues. I, I I just don't know anything about it to be well, honest. I, well, I, really well I do because I as you as I've said on the show, like I can't play with a mouse and keyboard ever. Oh right, of stress injury. So like accessibility is something I think about a lot. I thought about it today. There was a game I've been waiting for probably a year, been following it, and uh, it came out today, and I can't buy it because I can't play it because it doesn't have controller input built in. Support, it doesn't right, have controller yeah. support. So I can Which, By the way, you were posting about this by the way. It's on like Xbox or something, right? Um there, there's a few I not yet, not yet. This, this particular game I'll talk about is not on uh, Xbox. Okay. It's going to come to Switch because it's an indie game and every indie game comes to Switch. I'm crossing my fingers that when they put it on Switch with controller support, they actually add it back to the PC version, but that has yeah. not happened before. There's tons of games that like do not have that are on consoles, but don't have controller support on PC. I want to bring up one of them. Um, one of the producers for XCOM, uh, this guy named Jake Solomon, he jumped into the second row discourse with this tweet and it infuriated me. Um, I'll tell you why in regards to easy modes, over 80% of XCOM players choose our easy and normal modes. 80%. Play the game the way that's fun for you. Period. All right, motherfucker. I wanted to play XCOM 2 with a fucking controller on my PC. <laughs> I assumed it would be possible because XCOM 1 had controller support and XCOM, and it was on Xbox, PS4, set fucking cell phones. I assume XCOM 2 would have the same thing, but on launch, it did not. And so what this means, it, so not, and when it was implemented, it wasn't, it, it was not implemented pretty, uh, it was very jankly, uh, it was a very janky implementation. So what that means is that, you know, all the mods that they have, all those cool mods for XCOM 2 that you hear about, the long war, all that shit, none of those work for a controller. Your game will hard crash to desktop if you even have a controller cool. plugged in while trying to use those mods. So fuck you, Jake. Your game is not accessible. <laughs> Just because you have a easy mode does not make your game accessible to people who cannot play. Accessibility, I would say primarily uh, that I've seen, is about allowing people... People to have different methods of input, okay? Having certain options like that just makes color, color options, yeah, color like options, that people that are like colorblind, yeah, colorblind options, things that let people play the same games but just allow them to right. play them. It's not, it's right. not the same thing as having an easy mode. It's a different thing. It's a different thing. And to have a bunch of able-bodied, you know, uh, <laughs> gaming journalists conflate these issues for like a yeah. really disingenuous reason pisses me off because there's a hundred articles about how Dark Souls needs a fucking easy mode. Zero fucking articles about how all these PC games on uh, need controller, need controller support. support. Like the most simple right. thing. And it was, it's games you wouldn't believe. Like Mass Effect. The entire Mass Effect trilogy. Not a single one of them has controller support. Those games were primarily... Is that true? Yes. Wow. Those games were like primarily console games. That's really like wild. It, um, I also think that there, if we are talking about 
games as an art form, and if we do talk about like we want to like recognize video games as an art form, then I think we have to have some respect for like what the intention, what the like authorial intent and, is, and p- even though it's not you know auteur theory or whatever. But like there is authorial intent, and the intent of this game. Is for it to be difficult well, it's, and for you to feel like a sense of accomplishment when you accomplish yeah, things. Yeah, so it's, it's not even that, right? Because these games aren't really that hard compared to a lot of other games or right. hard modes. It's just that the way you play them is very different than other games that look like it. So, for example, like the XCOM 2, he says, we have easy mode. Okay, but still, on easy mode, if one of your guys, uh, we have nor- most people play on normal mode, easy mode. If one of your guys dies in XCOM, they're gone forever. If all your squad gets wiped, um, you may have to restart the entire game and start over from the beginning because there are hard fell states uh, in the game and it's built in. And that's what XCOM is, what XCOM is about. In Sekiro, if you die, you just start at the like save right. point after losing a few coins. It's just a different. And, and here's the thing. If you started saying if you said that, like, you know, there should be a mode where XCOM like doesn't have these hard fail points. It's like, well. You are dictating to like the developer then, like what you are saying that their game should be. Like that's what they designed the game to be was like that you could have hard fail and, and I'm not necessarily against the easy mode, but I think none of the people talking about it take the understand from software games or take them seriously because it's like you just fail in different ways than other games. Like in a right. Assassin's Creed, uh, in like a Metal Gear Solid, right? It's failure when you, in Metal Gear Solid 5, I would say, it feels like a failure when you get seen, but you have like tons of options of getting out of it. Right. But, but in Metal Gear Solid, I choose to restart. Yeah. But in Metal Gear Solid 1, you would just like have to restart. I would choose to restart as well, even though I don't really think Metal Gear Solid 5 is easier than Metal Gear Solid one in some ways it's a lot harder and more complex um it's just like it moves the failures it just does the, the, the it's just different. it's just different, different type it's, of game yeah it's different game so in, in dark souls like you get hit a few times and you die but you start over like pretty close to where you're at and you learn better and you etc cetera, etc cetera. in other games it's just like everything becomes a clusterfuck and you have to run um heal up and then you come back you know it's just a different style of game play and like you really if you want to talk about what an easy mode would mean you should actually talk about the game itself what these from software games are how they operate you sh- can't just say uh Assassin's Creed has an easy mode, so this should have an easy mode, exactly like Assassin's Creed. Like, and if you disagree, then you then you stand against uh, gamers with accessibility. Yeah, you that's son of a bitch. That's fucked up. You you bastard. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Look, I I I, I you know uh, uh, I ultimately think I'm like you are t- like I don't know how the game would work with an easy mode. To be honest, I don't like like that's like you would have to like go back to like the development like design stage to like rethink the entire thing and like I I I think you're I think you're right and like I'll expand it not only f- to just game journalists but it's just people that want to be part of like a cultural moment because everything is like tweeted about or whatever and when they're trying to do it they're like this is too hard for me like fuck that like I I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Like some things are not for you. Uh, you Yeah. Like um, Fortnite is not for me because Uh, I can't, not everything needs to be for you. Yeah. (laughs) Cause I can't play, I can't play any online shooters uh, because I'll get 
uh, wiped out if I use a controller on PC. That's just how it is, folks. And I sometimes I have to play a different game. It does um, yeah. suck, but there's a lot of games like real time strategy games. Try playing those with an emulated fucking controller. Like that. I believe that they should release a good version of all the Marvel movies. They should release <laughs> them with good mode, where the movies are uh, good and not. That's bad. a good name for this. Good mode. Good mode. Good mode. Good mode. <laughs> all right, folks. That's been struggle session. Have a good one. All right. Goodbye. Like what you hear? Want to hear more? Check us out at patreon.com slash struggle session or sesh.plus or struggle session.substack.com for all our public episodes, commercial free, as well as hundreds of bonus episodes. Thank you to all our listeners for holding us down five years strong.